Hi, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another one-on-one podcast. This one's coming to you from Boston, where I'm at E-Tail East, fairly large conference. And uh, this morning, I caught uh, a whirlwind keynote from Jason Gillespie, who's VP and Head of Analytics and Data Science at Critio. And Jason's joining me today. Hi, Jason. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How, how, how did you get all that energy at 8.20 this morning? Well, it's, it's uh, a combination of having that three-hour time change, so it really feels like <laughs> 5.20, right. uh, and then infusing that with enough coffee to make the presentation exciting to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> it was indeed. I, I wish we only have um, a short time on the podcast, so we can't possibly reproduce all the information you conveyed, including a, a lot of very interesting slides. But I did pick up some themes which I wanted to talk to you about. And one of them is that, of course, we live in a post-last-click environment. In other words, any business with any savvy, certainly any retail commerce business, is no longer focused on just the last click before the transaction. It's much more complex now, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And I think that the level of complexity has been increased by two main factors. One is the propensity of users to use more than one device. LastClick actually shines when you're in a one-device world. Okay. But when you become a multi-device world, you have to at least do LastClick tied together across devices. So if I'm doing all this research on, say, my desktop, and then I'm exposed to marketing on my desktop, and I click on my desktop, and I come back to the site, and then 30 minutes later I make a purchase on my mobile device, Mm -hmm. that's not last click on that device, and all the marketing you spent isn't getting credit. So on the one hand, you've got to tie everything together across devices, and on the other hand, you've got to consider what's going on in the retail stores themselves. As I made a joke this morning that nobody walks into a bar and says, I'll have a vodka soda, and that's UTM underscore source equals neighborhood flyer. (laughs) Uh, Because you're not getting the data you need to attribute the sale when it's occurring offline. So when somebody walks into a store, and especially if they buy something with cash and they walk out again, they remain unknown to you. That's right. And yet the known omnichannel customers, the customers who are visiting you, on various channels from various devices, they tend to be the high-value ones, don't they? Absolutely. The, the interesting data point that we presented was that the revenue per user is over three times as high for the cohort which has purchased both in a store and online. Now, you would expect some of that yeah. because you're forcing this cohort to be people who've maybe transacted a little more, but we think the key message is not so much about the 3x, but the increased value. They're going to be more loyal. Yeah. They're going to have a higher lifetime value. They're going to probably have better purchase frequency. All those key metrics that marketers care about are going to be better when you can get people to transact through multiple channels, whether right. that's a store, an app, or a traditional desktop or mobile web. So a little bit of bias because, of course, the cohort is self-defined as people who right, visited that's you right. a number of times. But that bias doesn't account for this three times the value. Probably not. I think we not. need to do a little yeah. more research. I'll hedge my bets a little like sure. any good economist there. Uh, but I think there's definitely something to the logic of getting people to transact in both ways. And I'll point out that there's a huge opportunity here 
which some of your competitors, including your largest competitor like Amazon, yeah. might not have. So if you're in retail and your name is not Amazon, you should be waking up every morning and saying, what should I do to maintain and grow my market share in the presence of an extraordinarily well-run competitor named yes. Amazon? Well, one thing I should leverage are my stores, uh, which means... I should be understanding that store experience. I should be tying that data back to the online experience. And I should be finding those cohorts of people that I can either say, well, you've transacted in a store. Let me make you a web customer also or vice versa. Yeah. Of course, I, the big advantage for Amazon, Facebook, some of those very big players is that just about everyone who visits, I think everyone who visits Amazon, they're known because they're members. They they identify themselves. You know who they are. And one thing we were talking about before the podcast started is this idea that just because somebody walks off the street into a store, they're going to be unknown is surely wrong because the store should be another digital touch point, shouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you frame it that way, I think it's a little bit of a paradigm shift for some traditional yeah. retailers. They've almost begun to think of the physical store as a liability when it's an amazing asset. And it's an amazing asset because it's something your largest competitor does not have yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, Amazon <laughs> did just buy Whole Foods. They're starting to see the value of some physical assets. Yeah. But if you think about that physical asset at, and you recharacterize it as another touch point and you want to make it a digital touch point because you are linking that in-store activity to a digital identity yes. and a digital persona, I think that that's going to give you competitive advantage going forward. You should be thinking about what is someone doing in the store. Uh, the store is another point of distribution. The store is an easy place for me to do returns. The store is a place for research and discovery that I might not have elsewhere. There's a lot of really valuable things that can go on within the four walls. Absolutely. Now, another statistic which jumped out at me and kind of complements what we've just been talking about is that 57% of marketers are saying they need more time and more resources to deal with this omnichannel environment. That's, that's <laughs> disturbing, isn't it? Well, yes and no. I actually characterize it perhaps optimistically mm -hmm. uh, as positive versus disturbing. And the reason is because it's kind of like alcoholism. The first step is recognizing you have a problem. problem yeah. This okay. is the recognition that you have a problem. 57% yeah. of people have said, I need more time and resources against this very specific problem that is both an identity problem uh, and a measurement problem. And yeah. it's an inability to understand at the, at the human being level what's going on across stores. Uh, I think you saw someone just tweeted that Facebook which has great identity, yes. uh, but doesn't necessarily have visibility into what's going on in the stores, someone tweeted that they're offering retailers a custom audience based on who was in the store. Oh. Uh, Snapchat uh, recently bought a company that focuses on understanding where you are and is doing Snap to Store. Uh, so the big marketing vendors, uh, and certainly Critio among them, uh, understand that it's not just about driving a sale online, it's about driving a sale, period. Yes. If you're going to do commerce marketing, that commerce can occur in a store, it can occur on a phone, in an app, on the web, uh, and that the most sophisticated retailers are now seeing a sale as a sale uh, as opposed to just looking in a siloed channel. Got it. So th there are a number of challenges which are interlinked here, aren't there? There's identity, knowing who the person is mm -hmm. in the various channels. There's tying devices together because this person... Most of us have two or three devices which right. we use these days. And there's also something you just alluded to, which is knowing 
where people are and the whole growing area of location marketing. All these things have to somehow come together, don't they? That's right. And they can come together in really one of three ways. You can rely on your marketing vendor to do their best possible job to bring it all together. You can um, rely on a third-party, almost a data management platform, right. or you can do it all yourself in-house. And okay. based on your size, your scale, who you're working with, the relationships will have, you'll, you'll have to make a decision as a retailer which one of those methods works best for you. Uh, there's certainly a strong logic to building your own data out and then activating it through best-in-class marketing uh, solutions mm -hmm. providers. And I think that one of the challenges is if your name is not Amazon, you won't have Amazon scale because they're 10x bigger than you. So how do you kind of do the impossible, which is join forces with others that you may have competed with in the past and leverage everyone's data in some sort of co-op or pool in order to try to get the same scale as Amazon. I think that's going to be a key strategy for retailers. How do you get the same scale as Amazon without being named Amazon? Yeah. And of course, uh, there are approaches to the solution. I know Critio is taking it on with, see if I can get this right, the Critio e-commerce marketing ecosystem is you are very place. close very to close. I think what our branding is which <laughs> yeah. is which is the um, commerce marketing ecosystem commerce marketing ecosystem commerce yeah. of course because the goal is to drive transactions yeah. uh, on a site and ecosystem because we want it to be open we want it to be transparent we want it to be fair which means there's a give and take so everyone contributes a little mm. and the hope would be you get back much more than you contribute uh, where Amazon wins right now is on the scale of the data. Yes. Uh, just the sheer volume and the tonnage of data, the users, uh, the way you can inform advertising using that data. We think that a commerce marketing ecosystem like the one Critio and, and some other companies are mm -hmm. putting together will allow other retailers to get that same scale, to get the same power of the marketing, to get that same understanding of the user. And we think that's going to be necessary to compete. Yeah, and you're right, of course, you acknowledge there is a, a trend towards this. The idea being that if you have uh, quite a number of players who are big in commerce, bring them together, pool their data in an appropriately controlled, anonymized way and so on, then you've got something which may not be quite on the scale of Amazon, but which is at least in the race. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think you need to match them um, data point for data point, but you've raised a good point, which is you're in the race. You're still in the game. Uh, if you're half as big as Amazon, you're probably as good as Amazon. If you're 4% or 3% or 1% of Amazon, it's too big a gap. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Google and Facebook also, in not quite in the same category as Amazon when it comes to retail, but also walled gardens with a lot of reliable demonstrated data in there. Yeah, that's right. So on the, on the um, advertising side, you've got Google and Facebook as a little bit of a semi-duopoly, um, which creates a walled garden possibility. Depends yeah. really how they want to go with it. They share some data, sure. but they also keep a lot of data to themselves. Uh, Critio and, and other people that play in the more open ad tech space and yeah. commerce marketing space are more interested in saying, let's return to you as much data as we can. So we're biased towards sharing and we're biased towards openness versus I think Google and Facebook, 
Facebook are still biased towards a walled garden approach. Yeah, that, that's clear. And just to, to finish up, let's talk a little bit specifically about Critio. What kind of clients you have, what kind of client base you're looking for, and what, what's the number one thing a client comes to you for? A client comes to us, number one, to drive sales. I mean, by and large, that, that's our bread and butter. We are a commerce marketing company. So recently, uh, we've had some acquisitions that are very interesting. We purchased Datapop, which was a leader in performance search. Uh, and we purchased HookLogic, which is a leader in site search. So that allowed us to kind of broaden the approach from just being uh, a partner for e-tailers to a partner for brands also. Okay. So now whether you're a brand or an e-tailer, we want to bring that kind of unified view. If you imagine that you're selling shoes, you're a brand, you may sell shoes on your own site, you also sell shoes through traditional retailers. You want to understand how the user is operating across that entire commerce ecosystem. Uh, that, so that's where we see the future from a Critio standpoint. And we want to deliver the marketing, whether it's search, whether it's display, uh, whether it's things still under development, uh, to be as effective as possible centered around the user. So it's all user level, machine learning, applying rich artificial intelligence and machine learning mm -hmm. to superpower commerce marketing. And just large retailers, businesses, or across the board? All retailers. Okay. Yeah, we have um, something like ten or 11,000 retail clients. Well, as you can imagine, there are not 11,000 <laughs> large retailers. Okay. So by definition, a huge fraction of these also have to be small retailers because one of the strategies, if your name is not Amazon, is competing on the uniqueness of your merchandise. Yeah. It's actually much easier for a small retailer to outcompete Amazon right now than the traditional large retailer because the large retailer looks and feels a lot more like Amazon than the guy who sells uh, you know, pet safety equipment, mm -hmm. which is going to be very specialized. Okay, and there, there are some vulnerable large retailers out there, but we're not going to name them on the podcast. <laughs> right, right. Jason, thanks very much for joining us. That's a great overview. No, thank you. It's great to be here. And everyone look out for the next one on one podcast.